Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. När vinner ni Champions League? Ja, inom fem år i alla fall borde det vara realistiskt, men vi måste först ha oss till En färgstark och offensiv ordförande. Kaxiga uttalande. En omtalad kultursatsning. Nya grepp för att få fart på ekonomi. Men framförallt en framgångsrik och offensiv fotboll. Östersunds FK har gått från en anonym Division 2-klubb till Sveriges poplag nummer ett på bara fem år. Den engelska tränaren Graham Potter har lanserat en offensiv fotboll och han har lyft laget som en raket genom C-systemet. Och när det nu är dags för allsvensk debut har Potter inga planer på att ändra på framgångsreceptet. Jag tror det är viktigt att vi förstår hur vi har kommit hit. Det är en stor strength av oss. Och vi måste försöka mastera det. Visst, Graham Potter gjorde en säsong i Premier League på 90-talet men mestadels höll han till i de lite lägre divisionerna i det engelska seriesystemet och det var också där han hittade inspiration till Östersunds bollägande och bolltrillande fotboll Det är långt från den fotboll han själv spelade Well I think because I, I experienced that football, I experienced it as a player um, I, I experienced the frustration that I felt and ultimately I stopped playing football as, as a 30-year-old when I could have carried on earning money playing football. Med framgångarna kommer naturligtvis en del smickrande rykten. Graham Potter har efter att ha fört upp Östersund från Division 2 till Allsvenskan dykt upp när det har spekulerats om klubbar som är på jakt efter tränare. Både i Malmö FF och i Swansea i Premier League dit Östersund har en koppling. Men engelsmannen ligger rätt lågt själv. I, I haven't, I haven't formed, I haven't had any offers. It's all media speculation. That's how it is. Och som vanligt börjar vi på den med en fakta ute. Age, forty. Family, 
I have a wife and uh, three boys, uh, a six-year-old and two uh, uh, twins, so uh, nine months old. Where do you live? I live in Ostersund. Education? Um, a master's degree in emotional intelligence um, and a degree in social sciences. Salary? Um, probably too much. Which is your biggest uh, experience uh, regarding football? It can be when you played or from the pitch or from the stand or what, as a coach? I would say this experience uh, working here for the last five years has probably been the most, uh, the biggest, most rewarding football experience. Is there any moment that you uh, that is stronger than any other? If you understand what I mean? Yeah, uh, probably the two that stick out. Probably the first one was um, promotion to Super Eten from Division One. We had to play Sirius in the last match of the season in Uppsala. We had to win the game. Uh, we won one nil. Um, they hit the post in the last minute, and it was proper nail biting stuff. Um, uh, we, we, you know, we had seven. I think it was six hundred, seven hundred people from from uh, Ustersun coming down to watch us, which is incredible when you consider five years ago there was six hundred, seven hundred people actually in the stands here watching us. So to take that many people down there was great at Division One. Um, I think that was a a real moment, and then of course promotion to. To Alsvenskan, the city on scroll away, uh, and 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 getting over the line after, after the sort of season of if you, yeah, the four years of progression to finally get to Alsvenskan was a big moment. Which is the best player you played with? With, um, probably say at club level, Matthew Letizia. Um uh, and I was fortunate at England under 18s to play with David Beckham that I would say is equally in different ways fantastic players best play that you've coached um, Mudubara uh, I don't know if you collected uh, shirts when you played at the high level do you have any shirt at home that you're uh, pleased that you collected I didn't really collect any no but for some reason I got a we played Leicester in a cup in the FA Cup and for some reason I think I had Andy Impey's um, who was playing for Leicester at the time I think I had his top so I think he's, he's the only one I've got Is there any medal that you're extra proud of uh, from your career? Um, I think the Division 1 uh, winning Division 1 winner's medal uh, coaching here for Ostersund is probably the one that I'm most proud of there I didn't get that many medals to be honest in my career so um, it's either that or the Division 2 winner's medal so that one Was there an opponent that you didn't like to play against when you played in England? Um, the best player I played against I think directly was I played against David Beckham was very difficult but David Ginola we played against him for Newcastle and he was incredible he could go both ways physically a monster um, and just yeah, really good looking as well. So it was a bit of a. Did you 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 notice that too? <laughs> well, it's hard not to, isn't it? Especially when he's going past you. Uh, the best crowd that you played in front of. Uh, best crowd in front of probably uh, and Liverpool um, played played Liverpool in a cup match. I'd say Anfield was a was a. It's a 
a special uh, environment. Do you bet on football? <clears throat> no. Never have? No. Well, maybe when I was younger, I had a, you know, a coupon with my dad, so he used to guess the results, um, you know, a pound and try and pick seven, seven results. But since then, since certainly since I've been involved, uh, don't, don't bother. Do you have a favourite team in uh, England and here in Sweden? My favourite team, um, I suppose Birmingham, because I started off there, is, is probably one of my favourite teams. Um, but I, I was never really a massive fan. Um, and and here it's only Ostersund. Do you ever go to YouTube and look for any of your uh, exploits on the pitch, or isn't there any? I wouldn't have thought so, no. <laughs> They would have been deleted if there's any. What do you drive? I drive a, I think it's pronounced Sharan. It's a, like a, it's almost like a minibus with all the kids. Do you have a motto? Um, my wife would say my motto is, uh, it's never easy. Because whenever I do DIY, it's never easy. So that would probably be my motto. When was the last time you cried? Um... Relatively recently, I'd say about two months ago. When was the last time you were drunk? Um, I might have been a little bit, a little bit under the weather when we got promotion to Alsvenska on that, that evening. That's when you wanted to enter soap bar in Stockholm. No, that was thankfully that wasn't me. I was, okay. I was, oh, that wasn't me. Okay, you're <laughs> innocent. I, I was somewhere else. Okay, that's good. Uh, Do you believe in anything? Um, Or do you have faith? N- not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm over, not, not really that religious. I believe in um, trying your very best to be a good human being as much as you can. What do you read? Um, I read, at the moment I'm reading a book by Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow. That's what I'm reading, reading at the moment. What do you listen to? Um, it's quite varied, quite varied. Unfortunately, I'm going through a little bit of an, an 80s revival time at the moment, so my wife's going mad. Um, but it's it's a real mix, real mix. What do you watch? Football. And how active are you on, in social media? Uh, not very, I'm a follower. You're a follower, so you follow follow people on Twitter yeah that's it you're a lurker <laughs> exactly yes if that's the term then yeah I've been called that before probably lyfter mot Hopkatt ingen dum boll Hopkatt får med sig den Hopkatt rullar bollen i mål Jamie Hopkatt kvitterar till 1-1 Östersund i detta nu i Allsvenskan. It sounds like a bit of a fairy tale and I think it is um, incredible. Östersunds makalösa resa genom seriesystemet har många dimensioner. Engelsmannen Graham Potter har inte bara lyft klubben från Division 2 till Allsvenskan på fem år utan även gjort det när klubben spelat en fantastisk fotboll. Man har varit bolltrillande och skapat mycket chanser och tagit en hel del risker men samtidigt sett till 
att det inte rasslat in särskilt många mål bakåt. Än mer imponerande är resan om man betänker att Graham Potters klubb knappast haft några jättefinansierade ryggen som låtit honom värva hejvilt. Nej, det har snarare handlat om att engelsmannen har fått rota i fyndlådan och ta en del spelare som varit lite lätt kantstötta och försökt hitta deras motivation och drivkraft och kanske revanschlusta. Dessutom har klubben lyckats bygga en stark relation till staden trots att det är en främlingslegion i dagens idrottsvärld. Och det är än mer fascinerande. You're uh, taking us to soon to Allsvenskan. Uh, what do you think is uh, uh, what do you think we can expect from Östersund? Well, I think that's the exciting thing. I mean, uh, you know, it's the first time that we've been there. The, the club's never been here. Uh, you look at our playing squad. I think, apart from maybe Valiata, none, none have played at the level um, really. So there's nothing really to go off from a previous. Uh, previous experience perspective um, but you know we've got here uh, in a certain way got here trying to be as positive as we can uh, we needed to build an identity we needed to build a football club based on um, based on helping players improve and and the challenge for us is to try and carry that into into the you know the highest level in, in Swedish football so it's going to be exciting it's going to be a real challenge for us but hopefully we can we can be ourselves in the in the in the in the league and whilst we respect the competition and respect the opposition we have to try and be ourselves as well will you uh, modify the way you play or will you keep on with the the idea you had in Superetta no i think we need to keep on with that that's what's got us here that's what's got us here from you know from division 2 um that's the challenge that's a challenge for us we uh like i said we, we we've you know we've come from division 2 we've we've sort of got promoted from into division 1 quickly and and the same out of division 1 into superettan and and arrived there established ourselves um along the way sort of improved and sold players moved them on uh so the whole thing i think the whole package has been based around a, a certain philosophy of football which is around being trying to be positive try and try and attack uh, but we're not stupid as well you know it's as you as you go through the levels you, the competition gets stronger and 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 then it becomes even harder for us so but i think it's important that we understand that what we've got how we got here was a, you know it's a big strength of ours and we need to then try and master that at a high level. You have a chairman who is quite bold and he talks about it's not a question if we're going to win the Allsvenskan, it's a question of when we're going to win and you're going out in Europe and so how how is it to work with those uh, kind of bold aims? I mean it's really it, it, he's been fantastic for me. Um I couldn't have asked for a better chairman. Uh from day one he's been very clear and and, and the, the you know the things i'm hearing now i heard five years ago so how, however you know however strange it sounds now it sounded a lot stranger five years ago when we were playing against umadala and yunchila um but he he he's very clear he, he tries to set a, a a vision which which we all try and sort of work towards 
uh, I think a lot gets taken out of context a little bit and there's a little bit of um, mischievous there, mischievousness there sometimes but essentially all he said to me is we need to try and win the next match and focus on that uh, we don't necessarily worry too much about where the league table says we're going to end up um, try and win the next match um, and, and that's it so it's very he, he's very clear and it's and it's a we're lucky to have him as a chairman How did you feel after the games in Svenska Kuppen do you feel that you're taking the right steps or Yes, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's very early in the season for us. Um, we played Norrköp in first game, Swedish champions. We'd been training outside for a week because obviously the the the, the weather up here isn't um, conducive to playing outside. So um, it's uh, it was a you know a good experience for us. It, it lets us know pretty early what you need to do to improve, where you need to. Uh, the difference between Alsvenskan and Superetten. Um, so, um, a good a good experience for us. One that, like I said, gives us a lot of information about our group, um, and then and then how we need to go forward. You have a pretty tough start. Most would say that playing first Hammarby away, and then you have AIK at home. Uh, is that good or bad? Well, I think you're right. It is a tough start. The first week, it's three games in six days. So, thank you very much for the schedule. Whoever said that, it's a nice one for us. Um, but, you know, we're not going to complain about the schedule or complain again who we're playing against. It's it's fantastic for us. Um, you know, we're in Alsvenskan and and none of the games are going to be easy. Um, you know, we, we we understand that. We've come up from Superettan and. Uh, you know the rules of football say it's tough for for people coming into a new league. So, but two great the first two games are like you say, fantastic fixtures. Uh, Hammerby away first games was sold out, uh, and then and then the first game in Alsvenskan here, ARK one of the biggest teams in Scandinavia. It's, it couldn't have got any better. And like I said, five years ago I think the first game was Umadalen at home. So, I'm certainly not going to complain about the start. Uh, if you look at the, the players that you brought in, do you think you have managed to uh, get a strong team enough to hang on to your position in Allsvenskan? Yeah, I mean, we, 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 I'm happy with the group, happy with how it's progressed. Um, we had a, a, a foundation from Superettan that, that I think was important to keep. Uh, it's important to, to let those guys have the opportunity to prove that they can take the next step. And then even the guys that we brought in, really all of them, um, like I said, maybe Bar Valinata, all of them have something to prove. None of them have played at, at, at this level, really. Um, so they were the type of players we wanted to bring to the club. The type of attributes they've got, they've settled in really well. Good personalities. Um, and that's, like I said before, that's the exciting thing for us. We, we don't really know how it's going to go. Um, but we believe, I believe in the players that we have here, believe in their their attributes and now the exciting thing is for them to, to prove, which I think is the most, the most exciting thing in football, the, the, the unknown. What's the most important uh, when you look at the players that you want to bring in? What's most important for a new player to have? Is it like character or is it speed or what are the characters that, characteristics that you are looking for? 
Well, I think firstly, when you're in when you're in Osasun, you have a responsibility to to the town, to 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 being here. Uh, the location works against you, but it works for you in terms of um, you know the nearest towns quite some way away. We're here together, so then the character and the personality is probably the most important thing to fit into the group, to to have the desire to want to improve, to to want to be part of something that we're that we're doing here. Um, I think that's the first thing we look at, and then and then um, you know our, our recruitment has been probably the same as we've moved through the levels. Uh, you're looking for you know attributes. You're looking for that gap that somebody maybe hasn't valued as much, or a way that you can work with that player to get a bit more value out of them that, that maybe you know conventionally isn't there. Um, so you're looking for, like I say. People that people that are hungry, people that want to uh, prove that have got something to prove and have attributes and qualities that can can affect the level, and then we try and puzzle it all together because the facts are we can't attract top proven Alsvenskan players here. They're not going to come to Osasund, just like they weren't going to come when we were in Superetten. You couldn't attract top Superetten players when you arrive in Superetten. Um, so you have to be creative with with the type of people and the type of players you bring. You kind of find players in either the bargain basement or scrap heap a little bit that you try to maybe that's been discarded by other clubs. Is that difficult as for a coach? No, I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's um, fa- fascinating part of the job, really. Um, you know, you're just trying to work out first of all the human being, find out what's what's happened with their career, what's happened with their life, where they're at, what motivates them. Um, and then their strengths, what they can bring to the group, and then you just got to try and puzzle it together. So I find that the fact that the most interesting part of the job, it's challenging, of course, and 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 the easy bit is to have the, like I said, the proven top, the proven players at the level. Uh, from a coaching perspective, it becomes a, a little bit easier then. But you know, we've never been able to work in that way because of where we're at and 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 the the journey of the club. We we had a. You know, you haven't. You've got a football club here that hasn't got anything to offer in terms of culture, in terms of tr- tradition or history. We've had to sort of build it up, um, and then you. So then you're looking for those type of guys that want to make something happen, make a difference, do something, uh, do something a little bit different to 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 try and yeah create an advantage or get some sort of yeah, some sort of advantage over the opposition. A couple of the players that you've. <coughs> Had here uh, has been through some rough patches in their lives. Uh, what makes that? Uh, does it make your job tougher as a coach when you have to take that into uh, your process? No, again, I, I I've never had a problem with the players. I've ne- never had a problem with that. I think, um, of course, the the human beings and. There's been mistakes been made with with a, with a few, and you can see that uh, the they've been scarred a little bit by certain things. Um, but again, I think that's really really interesting. Fundamentally, we have to make the decision whether they're good people, whether they want to back to what I said before, whether they want to improve, whether they want to be part of what we're doing here. And then if they are, then we'll just try our very very best to to put them on the right track or to uh, help them express themselves in a way that they can they can they can be themselves um, 
you know, if I think back to Mudobara, for for example, he's probably a really good example of of, of someone you you know you you sort of put in that category of a of a checkered past, and and when he first arrived, you could see there's there's elements to his personality that were just a, a little bit not trusting or or uh, a bit of a a bit of a different personality, but fundamentally he was a he was a he was a good lad that wanted to improve and wanted to play and 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 wanted to enjoy his football, and then the more you uh, invest in him and the more time that you that you give him and the group and and everybody gets to know each other and and there's that mutual uh, if you like respect and trust, then things develop within the group, things develop within that individual, and then by the time he leaves us, you know he's smiling as big as and it's, and, and he's also crying because he's missing his friends and his family that he's that he's made here and uh and and i think that's whilst that's a challenge to go through that process it's not something that just happens whilst it's a challenge i think it's the the probably the best thing in the job uh was there any hesitation on bringing him to the club i mean there's a discussion after adam johnson in sundland we had miko albonos in malmö ff i mean as a club, what kind of moral responsibility do you take? Do you understand that? Yeah, absolutely. And and I always speak with 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 Daniel, the chairman, about anything uh, like that. I, I think our, you know, we can't. As as I understand Swedish society, you know, you live in a, the the, the you live in a we live in a society where the the law has to punish people for whatever it is, and then once they're into into society, they have to be. Have an opportunity to carry on with their lives. Uh, that's how, you know. Certainly, we've seen it with any mistakes that have been made in the past. Um, and then we we have to feel comfortable that again, regardless of what's happened in the past, that they're the right person for us going forward. In terms of those, are they able to? Are they able to to be a good person in our environment? So that's. How much is uh, taking care of the human being and things like that part of your job as a coach, or are you very much just on the football pitch? No, I'm. I, I'd see my job as it's always firstly they're, they're they're people, they're human beings. They're they're with us for a couple of hours to train, and then the rest of the time they're they're somebody's son, somebody's brother, somebody's boyfriend. You know, so I think it's important that they, uh, from my perspective, being here, that that I understand the players, understand what they're like as people, and try and help them develop as as a person, because that they'll be they'll be that before they're in a long time after they're uh, and stop playing football. So that, that that's and again that's probably my motivation for being in this job. It's. I, 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 the exciting thing is is getting to know players, getting to know people, uh, helping them become better, better people rather than just picking a team and taking a training session. That's when you uh, meet a player who's possibly coming here, and you want to kind of sell the club. Uh, I mean, as you say, you don't have the long tradition. You don't have maybe the biggest uh, budget for salaries. How how do you sell uh, Estosun to? Uh, Player coming here. Well, it's very difficult. It was very difficult at first. It's got a lot. It's got a bit easier now. Um, 
essentially what we try and do here is create an environment where players can enjoy the football, they, they can improve um, and they can feel part of something and and that's as simple as it is. Uh, it, over time I guess because we've had success with say David Akam or Rasmus Lindqvist or even you know Mudo, uh, Shomin Moon left us, There's there's been times where uh, as a football club we've demonstrated that despite the fact that we're maybe going for promotion or wanting to progress the football club the opportunity if the player outgrows us to, to move and to develop their career um, that's always been a, 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 a sort of step that we've taken uh, and I think that again that just reiterates and shows that fundamentally it's about coming and, and trying to improve and trying to develop your football career and, and of course when you can say those things and you can demonstrate that and from the player perspective you can look and go okay this is this is this is interesting because we have to offer something we have to have something to to for a player to to move from the south of Sweden up to Ostersund if you're a super Latin player you know why are you coming to Ostersund why are you moving up up here why can't you stay down in the south where, where your family and your friends are there has to be something to offer and then of course there's a playing style around uh, uh, how we've worked, uh, which again, when I go back to Mudo, he was attracted to coming to us the sun because he thought that this, how we played suited his style of football. Uh, and so it, it sort of runs, I think it runs hand in hand, really. To, yeah. Was it a big difference this winter when you went up to Allsvenskan? Did you get a lot of more calls from agents that players want to come here? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that that's probably happened since we've been in Super and I would say to a certain extent. And then Yeah, different Mudo and then and then Al Svenskan just increases, uh, but still the same. Uh, I guess the same challenges. Uh, it reminded me of when we were first in in Superettan. You know, Superettan players just that they, they, they don't want to they don't want to play for us to send, um, and you know that's I completely understand that. And if you're a top Allsvenskan player, again, you're not. Even if we could offer the same salary, it's, you're not. You're not going to come and play for us to Sund. So we have to look in a different way, and we have to look in a different uh, market. And then um, that's our challenge. That's that's where the fun is. You have uh, Mudo in in Swansea in Premier League, and uh, David Ackham who came from here and went to Helsingborg and then to Chicago Fire. Who's the next player to come from Östersund to? take the step out yeah well again I've been asked that before and, and, and I'll, I, I wouldn't want to say now um, I think we've got uh, it could be one of any um, there's, there's a lot of good players but they need to prove at the level they need to prove that they can take that next step and I think it's not right for me to put any pressure on or dismiss anybody by naming Uh, I, I could have named before, when, when we first signed Mudo that he was going to that he was going to do what he did. And it's completely up to him. The same with David. It's not like you can predict it and, you, and it's an exact. Oh no, we've signed him and then he's going to go and play in this league or that league. Uh, I think that's the great thing about football. It's it's you don't know and it's how people respond to the environment, how they take the challenge on in the games, how we do as a team. Lots of factors are are there. But the exciting thing is, I think we've got a few players that that haven't reached their potential, that have got a lot more to do, and then it's them to to show. 
You have a very international squad. Is that something that if you've chosen that we want to have an international squad or is that kind of you've been forced to go that direction because there's not that many quality players in Östersund and you need to look for other type of players? Yeah, well, I mean, I think... I think it's fair to say that if you want to go from Division Two to Allsvenskan only using players from from Jämtland, it's going to be they, that will be impossible. Um, so then you have to look at how how you can strengthen and how you can build. Um, it's been a bit of a process. When I first spoke to Daniel in the first couple of years, he said that it, I remember him saying it's it's impossible to get players from the south of Sweden to Östersund. He said it would be impossible. Thought, that's going to be that's, that's going to be that's going to be difficult, um, but in the end we sort of I think progressed and and sh- and show that we that it can be something for us, um, but it's not been a you know we're going to go down this route or that route it hasn't been anything like that. You don't look at the passport or the colour of the skin when you're recruiting a player. You're just looking for again I'm going to repeat myself. Do they want to improve? Do they want to be part of this this project? And Um, do they think they could be happy here? And if that's if that's the if that gets ticked, those boxes get ticked, then that's great. Does it mean anything for a team to have quite a few local players, or doesn't it matter? No, I think it does, and I think uh, you know that we've got Dennis Videgren, we've got Bubba Salander, we've got uh, Sebastian Lundbeck in our squad from Jamland, which is. Which is which is great for us, of course. You 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 know you want you want to have more, um, and I think uh, part of this process has always been to try and create a uh, if you like a an identity and a vision um, that that people locally can look up to and say, okay, this is possible for us. Because five years ago, it, it's just impossible. You know, footballs there's no football culture here. There's no football tradition here. No one. Believes that we can have players in from you know in this area playing in Alsvenska. Now now we've got three players in our squad that 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 uh, that are in Als you know that are in So so it has to we have to develop that, and I think we have to. Hopefully, we're a, the great thing about this journey has been that now we've got you know young kids that can watch highest level football. Uh, in their own town, uh, and and think, well, this is this could be me. I could be the next Dennis Videgren. I could be the next Jamie Hopkins. I could be the next Bobo Salander. Um, and then and then if we can do that, then maybe more players can can uh, be into our first team because it is important. What's your view of Arsenal? I think it's in a really good place at the moment. It's probably the best place it's been uh, since I've been here. Uh, You know, you look at the stadium, you look at the the games, the the big Stockholm derby, you know, the, the Gothenburg derbies, the Malmo FF in the Champions League. It's it feels like it's in a really good place, the most positive it's been. So we're you know honoured to be part of that, and we hope that we can add something to it as well. We can bring something positive to the to the to the competition. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ja, men det är ju ingen idé att gå dit och vara någon form av turist. Det som är själva kärnan i allt tävlande, att, att bli etta. Liksom, etta i varje moment, etta i matchen, alltså vinna matchen, vinna serien. Och vinner du alla matcher, konsekvensen blir oftast då att du vinner serien. Men, men du kan ju bara bli mästare när du är allsvenskan. När vinner du Champions League? Ja, in, inom fem år i alla fall borde det vara realistiskt, men vi måste ju först ha oss till allsvenskan. Det är inte många klubbar där ordföranden är mer omskriven än tränaren. Men så är det i Östersund. Den frispråkige Daniel Kinberg levererar rubriker i parti och minut och talar om att nå Champions League och vinna SM-guld. Engelsmannen Graham Potter däremot, han håller en väldigt låg profil. Och det är på något sätt lite talande att om man söker på Graham Potters namn på exempelvis Youtube så är det en bonsai-trädsentusiast som får flest träffar. Potter smyger helt enkelt lite under radarn, men skulle framgångarna fortsätta även i allsvenskan så lär telefonen börja gå varm på Östersunds kansli och kanske det är dags för Potter att skaffa en agent. What made you come to Östersund in the first time? Uh, well, I'd have to say it was it was the opportunity, the opportunity to 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 live and work in in another country, and it was Daniel, really Daniel's uh, vision of the club, what he wanted to do. Um, he he was recommended to me by by Graham Jones, who's a good friend of mine, um, who who I trust very highly in terms of uh, recommending people, and and Daniel struck me as a guy that that was interesting that had a had a vision of what he wanted to do and I was at the stage of my career where thankfully I persuaded my wife to to, to essentially give up her life um to to come to come out and and yeah like I said thankfully I was in that place where I could do that could make that choice did you realize how small it was football football wise probably not no no if I'm being honest and when I look back um 
if I'd have known, maybe I wouldn't have. If I'd have known properly, maybe I wouldn't have moved. I can't answer that, but 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 certainly I didn't think that. It, uh, maybe I thought it was uh, a bit a bit different. But um, when you came here, was there any time that you thought, "Oh my God, what did I get myself into?" And with my family? No, not really, because the, the people at the club have always been brilliant to me, um, and and that made me feel really secure and happy. The the, the the people at Osterson Football Club were just will be my friends for for the rest of my life. You know, I, I sort of love them. Um, but um, you just realise there's a lot of hard work to go. That's the thing, and uh, and then and then you can't look too far ahead. You know, you, you sort of first get you, first game. I think we lost to Celestia in a pre-season match two one. Um, and they were in Division Two as well. And you think, well, we, you know, the the vision is to get here, but we're a long way off that. We need to do a lot of work, and we need to just step by step. At that point, it was just about literally um, getting a bit of belief back into a football club. People just trying to enjoy the football, trying to tr- trying to be happy at a, uh, playing football again. So it's um, when I, when I think back to that period, and I think where we are now is it's night and day. What did people in England say? Your old friends from football and so on. You told them, "I'm going to Östersund uh, to coach a team in the Swedish third, fourth, div- fourth division." <laughs> um, they were just well. That sounds yeah. They were, of course, they're probably polite, but they said, "Yeah, oh, that sounds really interesting." And and I think it. I think it is. It's it. It, it is an interesting. It was an interesting project. It was an interesting idea and, and I wasn't at the stage of my career where I could just walk into an Al Svenskan job or a or a you know anything like that. I, I, I part of the part of the appeal for this was was that the club had a an idea, had a belief or it had a, a vision of where it wanted to go, but it was just found itself in, in a in in where it didn't want to be in, in in the fourth tier. So the challenge and the really exciting thing was trying to Build it up to where it wanted to be, and to to try and create something that was that was um, that was that was people that were people were proud of. That that to build a football club, I don't think you get those sort of opportunities really. Uh, apparently, Daniel, the chairman, is a man with great visions, and also he's a good salesman. Apparently, since <laughs> you came here, but isn't there any problem with someone who's that challenging with the aims and uh, that we're always going to be the best we're always going to win the next game if we don't win the next game apparently our coach hasn't done his homework well enough isn't there any backside of having such a challenging chairman I haven't found that to be I haven't found that to be he's always been fair with me he's always um, supported me he's always been great with my family um, he's been consistent with how he's how he's been um, so I've found it no there's been nothing negative from my perspective um, I think it makes it very clear I think we, we all in football want to focus on trying to win the next match that's how every if you speak to most coaches that's what they want to that's what they want to do um, and of course the other the other the other things just I suppose generate a bit more interest the headline stuff um, but he's never said to me Oh, you know, Graham, we need to win this league or that league. It's always been the next game, and 
to focus that and try and, and try and win that game and then from that we take the information from that and move forward. Compared to your chairman, you have a you kind of go under the radar media wise. Is that something that you've chosen or is that just the way it's become since Daniel takes most of the headlines? Yeah, I think so. Maybe, maybe, and obviously his Swedish is better than mine as well, which, which, which is uh, obvious. Um, no, I think, I think it's easy to to to, to get, a, I suppose, a headline from Daniel. Um, that's for sure. But I, but I, I just go about the job and go about the work, and I, I, I don't sort of look for any sort of interviews, or I don't turn any down. It's I'm happy to speak to anybody, um, but it is what it is, so there's no problem. You have a, quite a good uh, career as a player. You even played in Premier League, six, seven, eight games, something like that for Southampton, and played in the uh, Championship and other divisions in the English. Uh, how, how was that? Well, yeah, I was very fortunate. I I got away with being a professional footballer for 13 years, and then I finally realised I was not so good. But um, I started off at Birmingham City. It was great as my hometown club. Um, I made my debut at 17, but we were a bad team at the time, and pretty quickly I stayed in the team for sort of I don't know 25 matches, and then sort of discovered the harsh realities of professional football when you're in a in a bad team and you're losing, supporters turn on you, doesn't matter how old you are or where you're from. So that was a harsh lesson in terms of, uh, yeah. The, the Did anything happen with you? No, just obviously just the, 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 the English football supporters are not shy in telling you, letting you know what they think of you. Um, I remember one, actually on one, on one uh, it was like a, they had a, like a Friday night television show, um, sort, sort of Central Weekend Live it was called. It was just basically a chat show, and and they used to bring in any sort of controversial subject and polarize opinion and get people in the audience and be a big debate. And then one was about Birmingham City, and I always remember my 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 aunt told me that the subject was Birmingham City. Some guy stands up and he says, "I just want to say this, Graham Potter." And my aunt is watching the, and she's thinking, "Oh, you know, her ears prick up. She's going to be nice and proud." Graham Potter, he is the worst player ever to put on a Birmingham City shirt in my life, you know. So you get little things like that which are which are part of the business and part of the part of the job. But um I have a lot to thank Birmingham City for because they gave me that opportunity to to start my career off and then I had sort of ne- the next probably five, six years moving to to Southampton, I had a year at Southampton, um, some more time in the championship with West Brom. So the first, I say, half of the year, of my career was was at a decent level, and the next half was, you know, Division Two, Division One. Um, but it's tough. It's it's. I played. Um, I played in lots of positions, which I think helps me now as a coach. Um, playing at, diff- at the different levels, from sort of under twenty one international to to the conference in England, gives you a full spectrum of the <laughs> of the difference of the game, and that's the thing that most people find probably difficult to understand. That if you watch a game, you know, a reserve match in a Championship level, Premier League level, and you compare it to a Division Two, it's like a completely different sport. The physicality of Division Two, the, the the you know, the one manager saying, "I don't care what you do." If, even if you kick it and it goes out for a goal kick, it's fine. 
and I'm thinking that's not really what I started to play football for, but I understand the I understand the concept. It's, How was it when you uh, were part of the Premier League? You played in Southampton 1996-97, something like that. Did you think that here I will stay for quite a while? No, I didn't think that. No, and that's probably more one of my you know problems as a player. I was probably didn't quite believe in myself enough, or didn't quite understand what it what it took to be a top player. I I, I moved to Southampton. It was just at the start of the real Premier League boom if you like I think I think Solarberg Camp and those guys had just arrived and there was a real interest um, so yeah I, I suppose I struggled to really think that I could be good enough to play at that level um, when I when I reflect back How was the slide when you started to slide down from Premier League and down in the yeah. in lower leagues in England Well the first The, the, I went from and then I went for, for for West Brom. I played quite a bit at West Brom, uh, and then my contract ran out. And as normally happens, to turn over a manager, your contract gets uh, when your contract gets uh, sort of finishes, then it's time to look for another club. Because I hadn't played that much, I had to look lower leagues. I, I signed for York for three years, and it, and literally that was my first introduction to, to D- Division Two football. And I'd I'd been used to been brought up on this trying to pass the ball and play and um, you know get forward and being attacking sort of left back and pretty quickly the ball's getting shelled in behind and you're having to win physical challenges and 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 the game's just completely different the, the the up and down of the game was was something I had to adapt to and even 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 though I played at a higher level it took me probably six months to adapt physically. And mentally to the difference in the game, <laughs> because it was so tough. Yeah, yeah, it's it, but it's different, and I think that's how you know if you look at English football, how challenging it is for 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 you, you know developing young players around in a certain way, academies and uh, and then and then the reality once they leave that environment into lower level football in England, it's 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 tough. You know, you make one pass sideways or or backwards, and the crowd are on at you to get it forward. Um, You know, everyone's mass. Everybody's massive and big, and you've got to physically stand up. and And it is a different, a different type of football. If you look at the English football, it's not that much that you feel it's possession based. Maybe it's more so today in Premier League, but lower down. It's so surprising that you come with. I mean, our view in Sweden of English football is uh, strike a long ball and then run, and you come to Sweden with something else how how come well I think because I I experienced that football I experienced it as a player um, I I experienced the frustration that I felt and ultimately I stopped playing football as as a 30 year old when I could have carried on earning money playing football so so for me it wasn't uh, um, wasn't something that I really Uh, enjoyed being part of or seen really so I, then it was about me trying to work out how to work in a different way and and and, and the, the benefits of that um, so then it was about that 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 period that five-year period um, where, where did you get the inspiration from except that you played like that where I mean you say you watch a lot of football where I mean I don't think you get that much in England or am I wrong um, 
No, you probably don't, but I, I suppose because of my link with Graham, I, I got to see Roberto uh, quite a bit work. He's uh, the assistant coach in, yeah. in Everton to yes. Roberto Martinez. And, and his journey from, I suppose, Division One in, in the third tier in, in, in England, when Swansea won promotion division from Division One, you know, they played with a style of football and a, a playing style that, that, that you would previously to that would say that you can't play that way in, in, the, in, the, in Division One in England. So I suppose I've got a little bit of a sense that it, it, is, it, is, it is possible to, to play a, a different way. Um, but I still think that the fundamental motivation for me came from within because, like I said, I, 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 my my sort of interest is to, to help players enjoy their football, and 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 that and that comes from maybe not kicking it like I did out of the pitch <laughs> for a goal kick. Well, that might just be my ability to be honest. I can't blame anything on that other than my ability. Which coaches are inspiring to you? Um, I, I've just I mean, obviously, at the highest level, I'm really interested in Guardiola because I think how he sets his teams up is 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 interesting. He, he his imagination in terms of how he plays is it's uh it's it's certainly different. Um, but at the same time, I've I've, I've followed Jurgen Klopp when he was at Dortmund. Really interesting to see how he's adapting to the Premier League. Um, even Van Hal, how he's adapting, Stoke struggling at Manchester United. Uh, I'm not saying that they're. I just think it's fascinating to follow the the top coaches and see how they're dealing with the challenges they have. Um, so and then of course Roberto, I've, I've sort of I've followed for for a number of years. What do you think now when Guardiola comes to Premier League and Manchester City? It's going to be fascinating, really. Um, especially if I've got a I've got a funny feeling that Mr Mourinho will turn up at some club somewhere, um, which would then obviously add more spice to the to the thing. Um, I mean he's you know he's he's top I think Guardiola's top, but then rejuvenated Jose Mourinho involved in the mix could be interesting. Um, I think Conte's getting close to Chelsea, isn't he? So it's it's going to make it. It's going to make it from a coach's perspective fascinating with Klopp as well, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure the others how long they'll last, but it's going to be interesting. If you look at the Premier League, how what's your view of the development? I mean, the richest league in the world, a lot of money, and but still, it they're moving ahead uh, from a, at least the lower leagues in England, but they're struggling in Europe. Yeah. Do you like the development of the Premier League that's more commercial and all that and kind of like the terraces are, are gone in a way? Yeah, it's English football course. This is a, probably another podcast. Um, <laughs> it's um, it's without doubt it's the, the, the toughest competition, I think, in terms of just the, the competitiveness of it. The, the physicality is still a, a big part of the 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 competition which makes it tough um, but it is an in, it's it's on its own it's the it's a, there's not a brand of football like it anywhere else and that's probably the challenge in Europe why why it hasn't while the teams haven't done as well as those in England think they would probably should do but ultimately playing against uh, 
Stoke City or Norwich City or Aston Villa on a Tuesday night is not the same as playing against the big teams in Europe. It's a completely different, again, back to what I was sort of saying before, it's almost a different sport um, in some in some cases. So it's a real challenge. It has a, a knock-on to, to, to development uh, from an English perspective. The amount of money that's, that's, that players get uh, that, that that aren't even playing is is scary, really. Um, you wonder how they can be motivated to really have a career and and to try to be a professional footballer. To make those different choices about m- moving down the leagues is 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 tough because the gap becomes financially and in terms of how the game is can be very different. So there's lots of there's lots of things. M- but the the one thing is money's not the doesn't make it everything all the problems go away that's for sure the money's there but uh, if you look at the European record it hasn't been it hasn't been great the national team hasn't filtered into being a success but the Premier League is a monster in terms of its interest around the world is Leicester an inspiration for you I think it's an inspiration for anybody it, it's 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 uh, you know talk talk about impossible stories. You know, this time last year, they're bottom of the league, and now they're ahead of Chelsea, Manchester United, Tottenham, Arsenal, Manchester City. You know, um, top of the league, five points or whatever it is now. It's uh, it's an incredible story, and um, just goes to show that if you've got an idea and you've got that willingness to work towards it, then I think that's fundamentally why we're in sport. We're in football. If if everything was so predictable and the impossible can't be achieved, then that's that's a very dull world, I think. Uh, you don't get my, uh, as many talents uh, forward as you used to be in, in the Premier League. Of course, very competitive league and the international owners who bring in big stars and it kind of squeezes out a lot of talents. Uh, do you think uh, that the English national team will get weaker or do you think there will be a reaction? It's a tough one to say because the amount of the amount of people in England you, you think that there's despite of the system despite of what anything happens there's going to be some that will come through um, the biggest challenge in England I think is they invest such a lot of money in the academy system developing footballers uh, and then there's a bit of a gap between that and then first team football and, and that's the real challenge how I think, I think a lot of talent time resources gets wasted in that period because there's not enough football first team opportunities for them for them to to play in, um, and then you're just looking at the ones the Wayne Rooney's or the Steven Gerrard's, the ones that just come through despite of the system. Uh, somehow English football has to work a way that can create players uh, systematically, rather than, than than by sort of chance. And probably at the moment it's it's by it's by chance. Are they too pampered <coughs> and too well paid? I mean. In a way, if you reach the Premier League, even if you don't play, you still make a lot of money, and you kind of maybe make too much money in a short time. Yeah, I mean the system in England is once you're 18, you're given a professional contract. Well, that tells you that you're a professional, and very often they're not. They're not. They need to still learn how to be a professional. There's still a long way to go for them to be professional players. Um, so there's an an ongoing education process. I think that has to happen, and also there has to be a way that they can play, still play football. There's a way that they can still, um, they they can they need to go from their youth teams into proper football, 
And like I said before, if you're going to go from a Premier League youth academy, and then you're going to go and play in the lower leagues in England, that's a completely different, almost a different game than what you've been experiencing. And then there's a, uh, you know, the, the the managers at that level, they they don't want to take those young players because they want to take the ones that are proven at the you know League Two level or League One level. So then it becomes a bit of a vacuum. They're trying to fill it within the twenty ones, but that's not so. It's not so real. Seems like a great opportunity for you to bring the, a lot of players here with your connections. It, it, yeah, I guess it, it, it could happen, um, but uh, they have to be the right type of people as well, and and the right the, the club have to see it. And and also, you, you know, you speak to um, some some football managers. I know Roberto would say that if you're looking to prepare English. You know, players to play in England, then they have to experience English football. Um, as soon as you go, and even though they might have a football experience somewhere else, they're, they're not getting the the unique physicality and the the unique style and type of game they're going to get in the UK. So whilst they go and have a good experience in Sweden, it might not necessarily equate to uh, them developing along their club. So it depends how they see it, how the individual would see it. Um, so it's not quite so easy. When the Euros uh, get started, who do you root for? Sweden or England? Both. Both. Which team will uh, progress the furthest? <laughs> I'm not so sure. Um, I'm not got a massive amount of... Con- I, for this... I, I think Roy Hodgson is a he he's he's a, almost like a a bit of a hero f- for me in terms of how his career's gone and how he's uh, gone through like you say through Europe and he's gathered all this experience. So so I'm hopeful that he can do well in the tournament because because he I think he needs to I think he's under uh, that that scrutiny. Um, But if I had to say any, I would say um, maybe both would get out of the group, but that might be it. You don't have uh, the right license to be a coach in in Allsvenskan. How come? I've I, I've I've impl- applied for the for the pro license for the last three years, but the English FA have said uh, that, that I wasn't allowed to go on it. Um, so, but thankfully they've they've promised me this year this year that I that I can that I can go on the the course. Um, Uh, education has been part of my development as a as a coach. Um, every year I've I've done something, I've, but but it's just been one of those things I wanted to do. My I've done all my badges with the English FA, and I wanted to carry on doing it. Um, and I think because I've been working outside, they prioritise their limited spaces for for coaches working with English players, um, and I had to be patient. Thankfully, the Swedish FA have. Have been uh, good around the situation. I think they've looked at my particular position and said, as long as you do it next year, it should be okay. Have you uh, had a help with the Swedish FA to contact the English yes. FA? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They've been great. They've been really good. Um, and uh, yes. Yeah, so, so it's just one of those things. Like uh, I've wanted to do it. I wanted to. You know, sometimes you think that people do qualifications just to get the qualification, uh, and I always wanted to be at a point where I, I had something to offer the course. I could actually get something from 
the experience. I didn't just want to go on a course just to get the the tick tick that box. And I felt for the last two or three years, I was as ready. I'd, I'd had an experience running a football club or being involved in a football club, and and I, and I felt that it was a good part, next stage of my 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 coach development and education. Um, so it was it was frustrating to not to not be able not, not to be able to get on. Um, but that's I understand as well. It's it's not so easy. In Sweden, there has been a discussion. Some former players they don't think that you need an education or you should get a short short track or fast track to get your badges and you can see also in England that it's very easy for bigger players to get into management in a way what what's your view of a former player is education important to be a coach or not uh, for me it's fundamental I, I think so I don't believe in fast tracks at all um I think if anything, you know, the, the top player has got the potential to be the top coach. That's absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but I think there'll be certain things in their uh, skill sets that they'll need education, they'll need help with. And and I think rather than looking about fast-tracking or, or, or uh, long-tracking, if you like, it's about tailoring... Uh, to 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 the to the individual, um, but you know when you ask when you think about football footballers, of course the knowledge of the game is there. They've had a great experience of playing the game, um, so that at the highest level they know the game, but still they need to be able to communicate that to somebody. They need to be able to build relationships with with people, be able to emphasize empathize with people, um, understand what's happening. Uh, within the group there, there are different aspects to the job than just your own experiences but of course they have the I, I think that the ex-players top players have the potential to be the top the top coaches but by just dismissing education I'm not sure that's the right path you've been in Sweden quite a few years now are there any coaches that are impressive there are lots there are lots uh, um you know, and super and especially um, coaches working there that that are doing really, really good jobs. Um, you know, Kimberg Strand at Sirius, for example, is doing a fantastic job there, building the football club, and um, we've followed each other as we've gone um, through the levels. He, he's done a great job there. Um, Bartos at Frey, I think there's a there's a great job with limited resources. Kept them up into kept Frey into in in uh, in Super Etten with an interesting style of play as well. Um, so there's uh, I have a lot of respect for the for the coaches that that I've come across in in Swedish football. Now you've uh, gotten quite a media attention in England. Also, there have been a couple of stories, Independent, Daily Mail, and so on. After you, you kind of made your mark here. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed uh, that you got more uh, attention in your home country? No, not really. I, I think the, just the news filters back to the UK, and I think the story itself of the club is an interesting one. And then you start to put the the culture stuff, and and uh, of course then Mudo as well. There's a few links. Um, so I suppose when you're a journalist, it, it is a nice story. I think it's a, a story of of a football club that's progressed. It's a there's something different 
um, off the pitch going on as well. So I think only from that perspective, um, I've, I've noticed a general increase in interest just because I think as well we're in, we're in Al now. But there are very few uh, English coaches abroad. Mm. And if you look in Premier League, I think there are only three English coaches left in uh, in Premier League. Yeah. Uh, why do you think it's going down? I mean, your football comes from England from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think... You know how how many want to how many want to take the opportunity to move abroad? I don't know. Um, there's the the mentality in England that, that that you know everything's there. We don't need to move anywhere else. Um, there's a bit of an island mentality, maybe. Also, the opportunities to 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 move aren't aren't there as well. In fairness, um, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know why that is. Um, I think the ownership in the Premier League, in the highest level, you're dealing with European footballers uh, most of the time in the Premier League. Um, not, not, you know, not, not, not that many English players as well. So maybe the owners are looking at it and going, "I want someone with an experience of, of, of working with different nationalities." Um, it's very hard for an English manager now, I think, to work his way through the local, through the lower levels, and to get to the point where they can take a job in the Premier League. Um, I suppose, in a way, people are hoping that David Moyes would succeed because he did a, you know, stint in Everton, did a great job there, but taking that next one on to the big Manchester United job. <clears throat> so yeah, uh, but it's up to the English coaches to 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 educate more, to to, you know, to to be better. Is it a way if you have success abroad, it takes quite a while? I mean, if you look at Roy Hodgson, he had a lot of success abroad. It took a very long time. He had a short stint at Blackburn Rovers and then a long time before he was kind of acknowledged even in England. Yeah. Do you feel that from your side that it's hard, even though you've had great success here, that still to come back to England, the English FA hardly will... Give you the badges. There is a bit about it that, like I say, I'm not. Going to, I'm an Englishman, so I can say this: that it is quite um, blinkered to to you know English football, and and people aren't too interested about football outside of England. That's that's what it is. So, you know, I remember Arsene Wenger came first came, and he was like, he's, well, "Where's he working? Japan?" Sort of. That was his how how it was sort of seen. So there is a, a little bit of that, um, but it doesn't. Is it kind of like an arrogance? Yeah, arrogance, ignorance, call it what you want. Um, just a, probably, and it's not, of course, that's not all the, in every case, but um, again, probably the, the the strength of the Premier League, the, 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 the competitiveness of the football in, in the UK. You know, you've got five leagues, all professional uh, in the fourth tier, fifth tier in English football, you can have ten thousand people watching the game, so it's a real pressure situation all the way down. So it's so there's not much room for anything else. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, it's a tricky one to to really put your finger on. Why? What's your aim? If you look, we don't care about Estosun, but what, where's Graham Potter in three or five years? 
I, I, I never think like that. I, I've never thought. Sure, you do. We uh, all do. No, not really. My my job was my. I see this as uh, as far as I'm I'm here as long as as long as people want me here and and I'm the right person to to improve the football club. Um, I think as soon as you start to look too far ahead in football, um, you take your eye off the job that you're doing now. I, I we're in a really exciting phase here. Uh, this is a, sort of making history. However long this club. Uh, stays in Alsvenskan. There'll only be one first year, and and, and this is it. Um, so we're, you know, my focus is on on that. Um, when I was, you know, three years ago, five years ago, I I didn't think about oh, I'm going to be still in Osasuna. I'm going to be doing this. I remember listening to, I think it was I think it was Steve McLaren saying that he felt like he wasted the first <clears throat> half of his career because he was thinking I wanted to be somewhere else. You know, the next level or the next level and. It's not really how I. I would just want to improve. I want to be a better coach. I want to be a better uh, sort of manager, if you like, a better leader uh, at a club. So that so the level is not really. I haven't got any plan around that. But if you look at the club, they're talking about we want to win Allsvenskan. We want to play the Champions League. Where do you want to coach? Well, yeah, that, I want to be part of that, of course. Um, and and. But do you want to coach in Premier League? It's not again. It's not something that I'm going. Oh, you know, this is part of my plan. But uh, it's football. I'm I'm only forty, so I'm quite young. Um, who knows what's going to happen with with the rest of my life? It's but but it's not. Uh, as a player, I, you know, I had this. I want to play here. I want to do that. I want to do this. And and you have these uh, desire to play in the Premier League. And I played played there. I had a year at that club at Southampton. It was great. But my motivation now isn't the level, isn't it? Isn't the the Premier League or the Champions League or Al Svenskan? It isn't that. It's it's feeling like I'm making a difference, feeling like I'm improving, feeling like I'm helping the players improve. Um, that that well, call it job satisfaction. It, that's the most important thing to me because you can go to a, you can get you get on the wrong path of wanting to get to this level that's supposedly meant to be this and that, and you can be disappointed. So I'd rather focus on. On my job and and like I say, trying to improve. The, how many offers uh, have you said no thanks? I I haven't I haven't formally I haven't had any offers. It's all media speculation. That's how it is. But you've had discussions with other clubs. No, no, no. I haven't. No, never. Never. No. You uh, you swear on the Bible. Swear. So Malmö FF didn't call you and ask, are you interested now when we're changing Åge Hareide? No. And Swansea, even though someone at Östersunds kansli says that uh, Swansea called us about Graham Potter, you said that's not true? No. Do you have an agent? Um, I'm sort of in the process of, yeah, of, 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 of maybe speaking to somebody just from a, 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 a third party to, to try and... You know, but it's not that a club has contacted a third party so that no, you no, can say that no, no one's no exactly no 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 I wouldn't I haven't got an agent no no so it's it's all media speculation yeah yeah and and, and it's funny that story you know the the journalist rang me up and said has Swansea contacted you and I said no uh, and then <laughs> the next day it's in the newspapers that Swansea contacted and it's it's amazing how the media can run away with certain things but. But you say it's not. How many years do you still have left on your contract? This is my final year. Wow, you're in a 
really good situation. Oh, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> you know, it depends how you look at it. I guess. Yeah, but I mean, considering what you've uh, achieved and that your contract is running out. Yeah, but I, I, again, I don't really think about it in that way. I just, uh, me and Daniel have always worked in in a way that we just wait until you know the end of the, the end of the season and we discuss and we see how things are and whether whether I'm the right guy to sort of take the club forward. All this uh, cultural uh, stuff that you got a lot of headlines from. Sometimes I can feel that it's kind of like a good way of creating interest uh, around the club. But uh, what's your view of it? Well, I think it's it's been a it's been a challenge, and it's been great to be part of. Um, it, it's uh, people always ask me, is you know, does it make them better footballers, and does it help you win more games? And and I think the answer is yes and no. It doesn't help you. <clears throat> pass the ball better or shoot better or anything like that but what we found is because we're here because we're, we're, we're lucky that the location means that everybody's in Ostersund and we're a close-knit sort of family if you like a group that you can use it from a building perspective a team building perspective it's 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 really good in that way but also it's an interesting human development um, project in that you know players are doing stuff that they're not comfortable doing you know I'm doing things that I'm not comfortable doing um, you know you, you see how people respond in those situations and how they can get each other through and what they can do to uh, um, yeah to, to 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 embrace the challenge and I think I think that's the interesting thing um, if you think that being a better foot better person equates to being a better footballer then then that's how it can help us um, so it's been brilliant. You, you can imagine the thing gets announced, you know, we're going to do a play and we're going to act or we're going to do this, or we're going to sing or we're going to dance. And initially the thought is, oh no, you know, this is going to be tough and this is not what I'm good at at all. And um, and then it's about just going through that process of trying to get to the point where on, on the day you can perform and you can do something. And then when you do it, it's uh, it's been the, some of the best experiences I've had since I've been here. Do you feel a responsibility as a club to take care of uh, the players and kind of develop them as human beings also? Yeah, I think so. I think we do. Um, a, because you know, a lot of the, the lads are, are here, they leave their families, they leave their homes, they, they come to us to play football. So I think we have a responsibility to, to at least um, look after them off the pitch. We do a great job with that. A lot of people behind the scenes do, do that. Um, but I always think that um, football coaching is about the person. It's, they, they are, as I've said before, they're human beings before they're footballers. If you have in, if you had introduced this uh, experiment to your uh, fellow players in uh, York, how what would the reaction have been? <sighs> Again, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be positive. I don't think. Um, but again, I think you have to look at the environment. You know, we've been here for five sort of for five years working away, and we're fortunate the location works with us. I think it would be a mistake to just say you can just transfer what we do here in Austin to any club. You know, you can just pick it up and do it in Stockholm or do it in York or do it in London. You have to understand the environment you're working in. You have to understand the club and and the values that you have. <clears throat> so we certainly don't. I don't certainly think that oh this is the way it should be everywhere. 
we're just fortunate here. Um, the British football environment, British football culture is is different, and and then you'd you would have to work hard at, at getting people on board, explain the reasons why. That would take time, and it's not something that you can just plonk down and and say this is what we're going to do, guys. Learn Swan Lake. <laughs> Good luck. See you at the pub. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for taking your time. Pleasure. Östersunds fotbollsklubb rustar på många plan inför debuten i Allsvenskan. Och när jag träffar Graham Potter i Östersund så är det en byggbarack i skuggan av Jämtkraft Arena där man håller på med renoveringar och utbyggnader för att få in 10 000 åskådare lagom i tid till seriespelet drar igång. Inne på kontoret som är ett spartanskt rum så bjuder Graham Potter på te och börjar sedan prata. Det är en pratglad herre, men han är som en del engelsmän i den här branschen rätt försiktig när det gäller att ge rubriker. Det är först efteråt när jag stänger av mikrofonen som han kanske knorrar lite om Harry Redknapp kontra Roy Hodgson. Men som han konstaterar, ah, det är ju inget jag kan säga rakt ut. Så att det är en medieslipad Graham Potter som leder Östersund. Och han lämnar nog med glädje rubrikerna till ordförande Daniel Kimberg. Podden rullar som sagt vidare och som vanligt alltid tacksamt med era reaktioner eller önskemål eller annat kring podden. Och man börjar ju närma sig avsnitt nummer 100 så att det är ju bra om ni har några tips om vi ska göra om någonting inför 101an. Om vi talar om musik, fakta ut eller annat. Och som vanligt når ni mig bäst på olof.lund.tv4.se eller Twitter Olof Lund ett ord eller Instagram Olof Lund ett ord. Och som vanligt är det Olle Junell Lindberg som har producerat podden. Tack för den här veckan. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.